Hello and welcome to Business Without Bullshit, the podcast brought to you by Ori Clark, who have been giving straight-talking financial and legal advice since 1935. My name's Dominic Frisby, and today my co-host is Philippa Sturt, for the first time my co-host. And Philippa is on board and helping the cause of bringing the fascinating business stories of Ori Clark's clients to a wider audience with this podcast. And a quick reminder, if you like what we do here, please do rate and review us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And remember to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We are at biz without BS, B-I-Z without BS. So with all that said, hello, Philippa. Good to have you alongside. How are you doing? And who is our guest today? And what are we going to be talking about? Or should I say, who are our guests today. I'm good, thank you Dom. And today's guests are our good friends Renee Elliott and Sam Wigan, the founders of Beluga Bean. Beluga Bean is a well-being enterprise pioneering new strategies for success in business and life. Through corporate training, personal coaching and business advisory services, the team deliver powerful journeys of personal discovery that promote individual and team success. After all, Beluga Bean's key belief is that self-awareness is good for business. So we're in very good company today, Dom. I'm very excited. I, I, I could do with some self-awareness. <laughs> and so can we you. We could all. <laughs> Renee and Sam, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks so much. It's great to be here. Yeah, happy to be here. So where should we start? Should we start with the, uh, how did you end up doing what you're doing? How did the two oh, of you get together? <laughs> We've got a story. Go on. A story. Do you want to start? All right. So I'd done Planet, stepped out of Planet Organic, gone abroad, come back, and was mentoring startups. Okay. So for those of you that don't know it, Planet Organic was and is the UK's first organic supermarket. And it was a tremendous success story within that field. I can say that. Thank Still you. going. <laughs> you can throw a stone from here and find <laughs> yeah, many no, well, uh, yeah. But you're no longer involved with it. No, no. Thank you. Okay. So I was working with a VC who is focused on purpose-led and sustainable business um, social enterprise. And Henry Wigan, who I'd done speeches with them. They'd taken me to Portugal to a conference. And he said, you should meet my brother. And I said, why? But I always also say yes. So he introduced us and we met in a coffee shop and had a coffee. And after talking for an hour and a half and finding we had a lot of synergies, a lot in common, and we were doing similar work in personal discovery, which is such a big part of what we do now, self-awareness and well-being, we decided to work together. Do you want to tell you a little do bit? Do you of remember it the same way? You're part of that story. Yeah, no, that that the romance started in a similar way for me. <laughs> it was, yeah, because my, my brother. Henry had said, uh, oh, you should meet Renee. You know, she's fantastic. And then I was, you know, coaching with, um, you know, senior execs and business owners and that kind of thing. And I was also, was kind of particularly interested in uh, female leadership as well. And a lot of my clients were kind of senior leaders who are women. And, and he's like, well, you know, you, you would love to meet Renee. And I remember when we met, like starting the conversation with, I don't, Quite, quite know why we're meeting. Like, I don't have an agenda. I know, I know why we're meeting because I'm excited to meet you, but I don't have an agenda. And then Renee was like, well, nor do I. And, and then we just got talking and yeah, it was just a really nice, really nice synergy. And then it was I, I, that I remember the meeting ending with, well, let's spend a day together and see what happens. And why don't you tell us your background, Sam? Well, my background is kind of varied. It's in, in as much as I have a background in the arts. So I, I have a, a life 
that has been practicing professional, uh, somewhat prolific in my own way, artist, sculptor. And, and then I also have this background in the world of self-awareness and transformational development. And those two threads have been kind of my heart, my passion, my, by my vocations. Um, but the, the, the world of self-awareness and transformational development was very much a, a kind of side hustle, if you like. But it can't be that often, to be honest, that two people meet and sort of click straight away in the way that it sounds like you two did. That must be a kind of fairly rare event, well, right? And it was so it was so clear at the end of that hour and a half. And it was interesting because I had been doing this coaching and I wanted to take the business to the next level. And I like partnership, even though my first partnership in business didn't work out that well. So I but I thought I like partnership. I like the male-female connection. I like that whole, I love working in with people. So, but I didn't want to suggest it because I often lead. And when I, when you offer something, it's easy for someone to say yes and follow. And I wanted it to be his origination. So when we got it from the table, Sam said, do you think we should lean in and see if maybe we should work together? And I said, yes. <laughs> I'm, I, but I wasn't going to suggest it because I'm like a little kid. I'm like, oh, should we work together? And I thought, just play it cool, go home, see if he emails. And he said it as we got up from the table. <laughs> so I was thrilled. And then what, you know, in retrospect, what part of what's been fun about that, I mean, there's been a lot that's been fun, but Renee was kind of, like, we, there's a lot of crossover in what we're both doing and how we think about things. But also Renee was coming in with this kind of tremendous business savvy and then I was coming in with this background kind of deeply entrenched in the world of kind of self-awareness. And it's like that sort of IQ, EQ, where, where Renee, as a woman, was coming in with the IQ and the kind of masculine side of the business savvy. And then I was coming in with that EQ, feminine side of the kind of personal discovery. And I thought that was kind of fun. And so tell us about the business now. How long has it been going? What, what, what kind of stuff are you doing? How, is it good? That's great. I think they're going to tell us it's good. I just have a feeling, but yeah. Yeah, it is great. And so we've been so we've been working together since whenever it was, 2017. And it's been really interesting because we've been in a constant process of iteration, but there's been this golden thread. It's actually quite how it's how I relate to making a sculpture actually. There's this golden thread and and it what it feels like and I think what it is is it's been a kind of a refining process. Again, I'm getting the sculpture analogies. It's like the finding the David in the marble where, where we just get ever and ever closer to the in initial inspiration of what it was that we were aiming at. So it's, it's great. And, and then we're in this current phase of iteration that feels actually very solid, very secure, very coherent. Um, it seems to really resonate with the people we're working with. Um, all around this idea of be yourself and self-awareness being good for business. And then, you know, there's a lot about, well, what is that? And what does that mean? And why why is that applicable? And we can talk about all of that. But it, yeah, it's it's great. And it seems like the other thing is, I think that the market wants it. You know, people want it. When we go into businesses and we're talking to individuals, talking to teams, they want this opportunity to get into the heart of what's driving them, what really creates meaning, you know, how do I resolve the challenges that I feel as I'm participating in these different areas of my life? And, and then this absolute, what we talk of as the collapse between 
personal and professional life. Like the two things are just so integrated. That's the thing that I think is really interesting about Beluga Bean and has been from the start Mm. is that kind of the whole person thing. You know, not just how are you performing in the office, how are you doing in your business, but how is that part of your entire life? Absolutely. And what Sam was saying about, so it's awareness, but that then drops down into awareness about well-being. Yeah. And when we say well-being, we don't just mean physical or mental. We have six spheres of well-being. Shall I list them? Yes, please. Physical, occupational, psychological, economic, social, and spiritual. And that really roots it in reality of what's going on in your life all the time, day to day, month to month, year to year, which is always changing. There are different priorities, different pressures, different concerns. And what we've done, particularly through lockdown, which was a real opportunity for us, is we've developed a framework for understanding your well-being, which is understanding yourself so that you can be yourself. But then there's a practice that enables you to check in with those six areas of your life and make sure that you're on track and you can use that practice daily. So it it sets you on a course of being able to fine-tune and move forward across all of these areas of your life forever and ever, which is very exciting and very easy. You know, some people talk about going into corporates and talking about well-being, and it's a one-size-fits-all. So it's, we don't know what to do, so we're going to offer yoga for everyone on Friday morning. Well, that just may not be what you want to do, or it may not address anything to do with your well-being, which may be more about communication at work or uh, a spiritual yearning you have that you haven't been able to fulfill. Yeah, the fact that your friends are way more successful than you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, actually, that that then speaks to kind of where the the framework goes, which is, you know, who are you at the center of your circle? and And then getting beyond some of those kinds of very human, you know, concerns. And I'm sure all of us could raise our hand to some level of, you know, I go into comparison and then when I do that, I don't feel great about myself. And and so part of what we we build into this framework is, yes, the awareness of each of those six spheres and then what's going on in those spheres for you, what is really your underlying purpose in each one of those. And I think just taking time to think about that and what that is can be so useful in of itself as a very clarifying experience. I think often we we lose track because we just don't take the time to consider what it is that when you really get into the heart of it, what's important for me. Mm-hmm. You know, and then if you can reconnect to that, it, it actually becomes quite easy to prioritize. You know, and we're all challenged with these sort of multiplicity of demands but we lose track of what's important for us, which is very individual. So we're not like, this should be important. No, it's what do you find important? But then at the heart of that is this experience of who I am as something that is very positive, that is really the point of greatest value. And so then the opportunity is to get to know that, to continually reconnect with that more fully, such that you can express that more completely in every aspect of your life. There's a framework to understand yourself so that you can be yourself. And then woven through the program are tricks and tools so that you can manage yourself within different situations, whether that's noticing a negative belief that needs unpicking or noticing, because everything, every awareness that you have enables choice. Mm -hmm. So when you're aware of a behavior, a negative behavior or a negative pattern, 
or anything, that awareness gives you choice to do something different, to respond differently, to go into a different action. So it's just, it ties together very nicely. And it's not like, it's not theory. There are practices and tools that empower you to really make change. And the other thing we make a stand for is Sam and I can go into a company and do an hour and a half, two hour lecture. Everyone feels great at the end of it. Yay, woohoo. And then nothing changes. And we really take a stand saying that change takes time. So the course that we run is over a year and it's a three-hour training session. And, you know, we have corporate saying, oh my God, you know, senior team out for three hours a month. But then the question is, how how much time have you put into their well-being over the last year or five years, or have they put into their well-being? And that time comes back tenfold and creates resilient people, happy teams. I mean, it's just, it's so exciting and it's so has so many facets and benefits. I once was listening to a podcast in which they talked about, I, I can't remember, I'm going to get this slightly wrong, but it was like the six places in the world where people live longer than anywhere else. And one of them was, I think, Sardinia, and another one was somewhere in Japan, and another one was Costa Rica. And I can't remember where the others were, maybe somewhere in Greece, I don't know. But one of the things they discovered about these people who live extraordinarily long lives is that is their diet's very high in fish, but they also eat beans every day. Mm. And uh, they well, eat yeah. a lot of beans. They eat man. a lot of beans. And then I'm seeing beluga, I'm thinking Wales. Bean. So Wales. I immediately thought caviar was that bad. <laughs> okay. That's maybe okay. I got it wrong okay. with caviar. But tell us where the name beluga bean comes from and does it have anything to do with size and longevity and beans? She does have to do with size. And beans. And beans. <laughs> and on, size. Renee, yes. So well, when Sam and I first got together, we were we were really thinking of a life skills academy, you know, hadn't quite wrapped it up the way we have now, packaged it up. And I was writing a book called What to Eat and How to Eat It. And I was at that time writing about beluga lentils, which are tiny black lentils that pack a huge nutritional punch. So we were looking at names that reflected what we were doing for the business, but they all seemed to be taken. So we thought, well, maybe we just come up with a generic name and then the names of the courses underneath can have meaning. So it could be a color or, you know, a, a fruit or... And I said, well, why not beluga lentils because they're so amazing. But I said, well, I like the alliteration of beluga bean and it just worked. And there's full of beans and bean counting. And we knew it would wrap up, you know, your professional life, your personal mm. life, the whole and person. Growing from a bean. Yeah, and a growing from a bean. Beans. I eat a lot of beans. So it just worked. <laughs> what have you found difficult about setting up beluga bean and running it for the last few years? Okay, so there's, there's, I think there's sort of two pieces to that. So one is, you know, is there anything hard in having the kinds of conversations that we have? And, and in a way, I would say no. And often, sometimes, you know, businesses will say to us, oh, well, the thing is, you know, we want you to work with this team, but so-and-so and so-and-so, they're quite skeptical or, you know, they're not really open to this kind of thing. And we say, bring it on. We love that because what we're doing is creating a space for people to, self-reflect on what's important to them. So we're not there saying, hey, you should meditate. It, you know, it's like, okay, you know, why did, I, why did half the people leave the room? But it, it's, it's like, okay, so what's going on in your world? What's important for you? And everyone has that, you know, that going on. And then it's an opportunity to, to kind of self-reflect and get to know I oneself admit, better. I'm, I'm very skeptical, but I remember doing a <laughs> session with you and I had this massive revelation yeah. halfway through the session. was like, oh, wow. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that now. That yeah. was weird. But it was really good. 
And that's me who does not believe in meditation, would never do it, you know, that kind of stuff. Absolutely. And so I think that that really comes from the intentionality of it, um, which is to create the space for that to happen without even an agenda that that should happen. And then, But then I think the other, what I'm hearing in the question is, you know, what's hard about being yeah. in business yes. in general? And there's probably a long list there. <laughs> if I ever turn into one of those blokes who gets a tattoo uh, with a motto inscribed on his body, the motto that I get inscribed will be, it'll be in Greek, and it will be Nothi Seuton, but in Greek scribe. But that is know thyself. Ah, exactly. Uh, or in the Latin, Noshe Te Ipsum. And I'm just reading here off my phone that know thyself was one of the three Delphic maxims mm. inscribed in the Temple of Apollo at Delphi. And the Don't, other... Do not get me started on the Temple on the of Apollo. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I would have it inscribed is I've just looked back at my life and some of the good decisions I've made and some of the bad decisions I've made. Almost all of the bad ones, if I'd shown greater self-knowledge, and I suppose that comes under the category of self-awareness, I would have made a much better decision that would have a much better outcome for me. Absolutely. So it's know yourself, be yourself, and manage yourself. Because some people haven't even taken the time or haven't had the opportunity to really know themselves. So this gives you the framework to know yourself. And then it's the ability to be yourself once you know yourself. And we believe that it's right to be yourself no matter what where you are. So at work, at home, and everything we do is about you know, that, as we say, that whole person process, it's professional and personal life and being yourself in all of those situations with those six spheres of well-being running through it. And then how you manage yourself in different situations. But, you know, what is the point of your life if you're not being yourself? Yeah. Really? And when people say, oh, I'm a different person at work or I'm a different person in this, I can't understand that. Why? I think the happiest people I know are almost the most honest people I know because they are the ones that are, are themselves to the utmost degree. Well, well interestingly, that I think one of the outputs from when we're working with teams, for example, is that it is the, one of the outputs is greater happiness. I think as the, the journey of, of discovering oneself more fully and then discovering the capacity to be oneself more fully, to experience that, to express it more fully in every aspect of your world, is also a journey of greater happiness, ultimately, as yes. you say. It's greater authenticity, honesty, etc. And part of that journey of knowing yourself is also discovering, if you don't already know, your purpose. Yeah. Which, of course, leads mm. to yeah. fulfillment, which leads to much more happiness. I think one of the sort of tenets we had right from the beginning is this idea of being thoughtful. The first thing we did together was we created a program for entrepreneurs. And so we kind of put together this personal discovery with the strategic business planning, which we still do. And uh, one of the things we wanted to push back on was this kind of rah, 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 go, 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 bigger, better, faster. And, uh, and we're like, no, actually, what we see as being much more purposeful generally is to be thoughtful, to be considered, take your time. There's no urgency in spirit is what I like to say. And if you keep checking in with those six spheres, which involve family, physicality, food, spirituality, work, money, you know, everything, it covers everything, it does keep you on track because you don't get stuck focusing on one part of your life. You keep checking through your circle, which incorporates all of those areas of your life so that you're keeping the balance. One of the big pieces in what we're, we're doing is, in a way, flipping 
the paradigm where we tend to be conditioned through our doing to get the experience we're after. And this is where I think the burnout thing can happen because we get very focused on, say, our work as the gateway to what it is we're wanting to attain. And then you go, well, that's so that I can you know, feel good about myself or that's so I can prove my value, that's so I can have enough security, etc. And ultimately, these things are experiences. And what we say is actually those experiences exist within you already. Like they're inherent within you. So the opportunity is to develop a, a deeper connection with that, which we call your, your being, you know, the sense of the, who you really are. And then from that place, engage in the doing. And that's a very different paradigm from going after the doing, engaging the doing in the hope that I can prove or get the being, which is what I really want. And, and so it's flipping that. And then that becomes very powerful because when you do that, again, it becomes much easier to make decisions about what's important today. What's the priority? Where, where does my focus need to be? And now a quick word from our sponsor. At Ori Clark, we understand that many of our clients want to be better informed about the issues they face, but don't have the time to wade through all of the legalese and accounting jargon to get there. We know that people love our easy-to-read quick guides on the most common problems facing our clients. And if you're here, then you probably like podcasts. So we thought, why not combine the two and make it even easier for people to access the knowledge of our team of multidisciplinary experts? Recently, Dominic Frisby sat down with Andy Ori and Jeremy Coker to talk about enterprise investment schemes. So Jeremy, why don't you kick us off? What is an enterprise investment scheme? Thank you. Well... The Enterprise Investment Scheme is a scheme which is designed by the government to help smaller, high-risk trading companies to raise finance. It offers a range of tax reliefs to a number of investors who are going to purchase new shares in those companies. Yeah, it's great, to be honest. I mean, it's bonkers that in, in this country, if you can, as an investor, get 30% of your money back, which is, you know... That's quite impressive, really. Plus, there's a whole other release, isn't it? You don't pay tax if you hold it. Yeah, it's a really, really generous relief that really encourages investment. And, and venture capital companies can use it. It's called VCT. It's very similar. And it drives our venture capital market, you know, being the, the largest outside of the US and China. You can find our audio quick guides in the resource library at auriclark.com or search for Ori Clark Quick Guides wherever you get your podcasts. And at this point, let me quickly remind you to give us a nice review on Apple Podcasts or to follow us on Spotify so that you never miss an episode. Back to the chat. What is the most uncomfortable truth about being in business? For me, it's that you meet your insecurities and have to face those and grow beyond them so that you can take your dream to its full potential. Another thing is that sometimes you have to work with crappy people. Not Seems harsh. No, You're not sitting now. right next to Sam. <laughs> not, not now. In not anymore. <laughs> He's off. In the past, um, I was going to say, sometimes I've had to work with not such great people, but now the great thing is we work with, well, I have the perfect partner and we work with great clients. I love my clients. Our clients are great. So you can create different, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, you can decide who you work with, you especially you in want. the kind of work. Yeah. yeah. But um, I think it's that you meet your 
weaknesses because you're confronted. You know, every time I have clients who say, every time I write a business plan, I come up against my imposter syndrome, my self-doubt, my, you know, who am I to think I can do this or how could I possibly achieve something that big? And they go into a spin. So you do confront your demons. So so one of the, the shifts that we are taking people on in the journey that we embark on with people is I think this shift from trying to prove who I am to being who you are. And and that's a kind of interesting and, and quite subtle shift. So because the the proving, I think a lot of us are engaged in in trying to prove. We're trying to prove our value, prove our worth, prove our whatever it is. And then when you discover that actually that is inherent within me, and then you start to engage in those things that have meaning for you from that place where I already have the confidence in my worth, who I am, that's very different. I think the problem is that a lot of people, you know, the bulk of the workforce are in that kind of position where their entire job revolves around proving that you're worth what somebody is paying for you. You know, so it is a performance-led kind of approach for most people that are employed by somebody, it's great if you're an entrepreneur and can go and do what you want. Well, but. well, well I, I would challenge, push back on that a little bit because I'm not for a second denying the, the validity of what you're looking at there. Mm. You know, that people are in performance. You know, I've, for a, a while I was working with Arianna Huffington's Thrive Global project and we would go into sort of the, the, the senior level management and we'd be talking to them about things they can do to combat burnout. And, and, one of the responses would be, look, it's really nice, this idea that I should sleep more. But if I don't hit my target this month, I'm gone. And it's like, so yeah, I get it. That's, that's, that is a reality. But I think where the, the paradigm change opportunity is, is that that isn't tied to your sense of worth. Yes. The sense of your value. And so when you have a stronger sense of that, it actually becomes much easier. And we know these people who seem to make these, be able to make smart choices about, or they're able to say no, or they're able to say, and they don't seem to be concerned that they're going to get found out. You know, yeah. they, they just, it's just a good choice for them. Um, and, and we kind of go, how do they do that? You know, and it's because for whatever reason, they don't have that, that sense of, you know, I'm having to prove my worth through mm. this because I already know that. So now I'm just making choices about what's important. What has been your biggest realization through your failures? So, firstly, I now don't class anything as a success or failure. We say it's all learning. So you either do something that works and you think, oh, that's good, I'll do more of that. Or you do something that doesn't work, which you may call a mistake or a failure. So you don't do that again, you do something else. I think the only real failure is when you do something that doesn't work and you keep doing it. But... In terms of the biggest difficulty I had in my career and, and what I learned from it was I learned to trust myself. So there was an instant where I was in a situation, my head, when I say trust myself, I mean my gut, not my head. My head was saying, it'll be okay. Now, when I heard that, I see a red flag and there was a red flag up, but I thought, oh, it'll be okay. And it wasn't okay. And I've done that twice in my professional career. And now I always trust my gut, what my intuition is telling me. And, you know, I work with a lot of entrepreneurs and this often comes up around investors where they say, you know, I really need the money or I really want this, you know, I've got to get this money in place. 
And, and I say, How's, how do you feel when you're in the presence of this person? And how are they treating you? Are they treating you with respect or, and trust? And Because this is the honeymoon. And if this isn't good, run, because it's going to get a lot worse after you've gotten in bed with them. So trusting your gut, I think, is so important. And my gut is never wrong. And by that, I mean your intuition, your stomach, that instinct of yes or no that doesn't come from your head. So it's, your gut isn't that little voice at the back of your head that says, no. don't do this. Oh, okay, I should listen to him more often. He's very good. <laughs> I tend to ignore him and then regret it afterwards. So I assume it's a he, he might be she, I don't know. <laughs> so I want to hear what you, how you answer that question, Sam, but the right, wrong, you know, mistake, failure, success thing is so powerful with kids because, you know, my youngest daughter will, could be devastated when she makes a mistake, you know, and I see her kind of become limp. And I say, you know, I can say to her, it's learning. It's, it's not a mistake. You, you learned, what did you learn from this? And she'll say, well, I won't do that again. I'll do this instead. And, and I say, okay, great, we're done. You know, it's, you're not expected to know everything. You're growing and learning. And I said, it goes on forever. And I can see her just pop up again. And she'll learn to do that for herself. So it's not just for adults. <laughs> um, I'd be interested to see what you make of this is like a lot of the time, you know, I've done jobs or I've really wanted a job or something. And it's for whatever reason, not, necessarily within my control or maybe it is within my control but it goes wrong and then it turns out to be you know a horrible experience or you missed out on a chance a break that you really wanted or whatever it is and then the standard way of consoling yourself is that you then say oh well I learned from the experience but there, I, I feel once you reach a certain age, you're like, do you know what? I've had I've had enough learning experience. <laughs> I just want the wins. I just yeah. want the wins. I just want it to be comfortable. I want it to be the way I yeah. want it and that's it. Who is there? Who are you looking at at there in business at the moment who, you know, you think is doing a great job, who we can learn from? Or it could be someone in the past. Doesn't Not have to naming be now. names, but for me, it's daring, innovative, purpose-led entrepreneurs who are trying to change the world, people who are living their purpose through their work. And I meet those people all the time. Pip, I think you yeah, do as I well do. because yeah. you work with entrepreneurs. And they are so inspiring, so exciting, so bold, and will transform business in all kinds of ways. I, I just think it's easy to get caught up in the hype of things, isn't it, generally, you know, and, and then we attach value to what, you know, where the spotlight is. And in a way, you know, I'm more interested in integrity, I think, as an aspiration. And so sometimes I think there's quite a lot of hype in the kind of the world of startup you know, around yeah, the, the impact yeah, no. and we're changing the world. Are you really about making a positive impact or are you making about making the exit, you know, yeah. like what's it all or whatever. And if I hear disruptive one more time used as an adjective, yeah. if I might kill someone, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. Exactly. And there's been some quite good, I think, uh, criticism, not, not to be overly cynical or, or, or negative because obviously there's this tremendously exciting time. But I think there has been some quite good criticism of the kind of, you know, this kind of Silicon Valley psyche of, you know, we're the ones that can make the world better. Mm. But actually, you go, actually, there's quite a lot of what's going wrong is also captured in, yeah, look what in a lot done. of those We're businesses. actually the ones that can make the world money. Yes. That's the thing. So I think integrity is the piece, really, um, that's very interesting to me. What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Well, I can't narrow it down to one. I did. I have thought about this before. The first one, which saved my life and meant I didn't lose Planet in a court case, was get 
the best legal advice that you can afford. That was the first oh, one. I quite agree with That's that where you come <laughs> in. I thought That's you'd like that is. one. The second one was the the every stewardess saying, take care of yourself first. And the third one is from Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, who is the leader of the Transcendental Meditation, which I've done forever. And he always said, when you're tired, go to bed. <laughs> Love it. So good. That is, yeah. That's one that's going to stick with me, I yeah. think. I think Dostoevsky was often on, I think the, the famous quote of his is, if you see a homeless person, there's no point giving him half your coat because then neither of you have got a coat. You may as well make sure you're warm and then you're in a better position to help other people. So that sort of comes under your second idea of get your own house in order first sort of thing. Care of self. Mm. You, Sam? I, I'm going to go with one that has been said to me a few different times, um, but the older I get, the wiser it seems and the more sense it makes, which is simply follow your joy. And, and to me, that, you know, that can sound very fluffy. And you go, what do you mean follow my joy? What about paying the bills and et cetera, et cetera. But it just makes more and more sense to me. And, and those times, rather like Renee was saying, the times she didn't listen to her gut, those times I was doing the thing I thought I should do rather than the thing that held joy for me, held real meaning, were, were not the good uses of my time looking back. You know, they weren't the useful experiences. So follow your joy. Right, we're going to go from there to books, your top three reads, which is no doubt full of advice. Okay, I'd say The Prophet by Khalil Gibran, The Sneetches by Dr. Seuss. And then for my third, I can't decide between Where the Crawdads Sing, which I just read in my online book club. Oh, I've just started reading it. Oh so my good. God, by Delia so Owens. Good. Amazing. And or Hidden Life of Trees by Peter Wallaben which is about how trees talk to each other, feed each other, support each other, create networks of, I mean, it's extraordinary. It's worlds that I knew nothing about. Okay, so let me just summarize those. So there was The Prophet, Where the Crawdads Sing, Dr. Seuss. Dr. Seuss, The which Sneetches, one? and then Hidden Life of Trees. Oh, yeah, gotcha. By right. Peter Wallaben. Four more books on my I need to like I need to take just two years out Lucky to read you. just the stuff oh. that's on my Kindle that I've bought and haven't read that's before I even get to the bookshelf Sam come on books. okay I got three three books so the first one is My Life by Benvenuto Cellini which is I think maybe one of the few if not the only books I've read three times um, and it's a an autobiography by Benvenuto Cellini which he wrote in his lifetime I and it starts with, I think, one of the funniest opening paragraphs, which is, in complete sincerity, it goes something like, when you've had a life as brilliant as mine, it's only right that you write your biography. Um, and, and it sort of carries on in that vein. And he's the most amazing person. I mean, he really is. And then if you know his, his art, his sculpture, it's, it's uh, extraordinary. But uh, a, a man of such passion and, and dedication. And uh, my mentor, my sculpture mentor, David Wynn, um, who died a few years ago. Uh, when I first met him, he said, well, Sam, if you want to be a sculptor, you need to read this book. And, and, and I loved it. Um, so that's one. But I mean, it might be a bit, it might be a bit of a heavy read if, I, you know, if you're not into sculpture, I don't know. But, it, but it's a beautiful, I think, sort of insight into charging around in the Renaissance um, in amongst all those brilliant people. Yeah. And... Then the next one is Autobiography of a Yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda, 
which was a lovely, I was sort of getting very into esoteric things um, kind of around the time I left university. And, and that is such a lovely read. It's just a very, oh, it's just a very easy, it's a gentle, great book. beautiful that's a, that's a classic. read about sort of esoteric things. Um, and what a beautiful, and again, a very beautiful individual. Also a biography, actually, yeah. And then the third one is Spiritual Warrior. And again, this is kind of a biography as well. I hadn't seen that um, by Dr. John Roger. And Dr. John Roger has been, again, he died a, a couple of years ago, but he's been my spiritual teacher for many, many years and a, a great friend and, and mentor to me. And he wrote this book called Spiritual Warrior. And he's very much a non-denominational teacher, but these are kind of just lovely sort of principles and, and ways of thinking about things, which I think are very universal. And it's one I kind of dip back into when I need a little inspiration. And what are you both most excited about for the future of uh, Beluga Bean? <laughs> well, we have big plans and we're writing a terrifying business plan. <laughs> Just kidding. But for me, part of that journey will be when we begin to deliver Be Yourself to teenagers through working with universities. And I'm so excited about that because it's such a great time, a great age to support kids growing into adults on their journey. I mean, for me, that question kind of fills me with joy, actually. I feel very grateful to be on this journey with Renee. It's such fun. And I couldn't ask for a better business partner. And then it is, it's the conversation that I love to have. So it's, it's really is the work of the heart for me. And, and then just finding the different ways we can do that um, and having that conversation with more people and creating that space for self-discovery in all the ways that we do that. I just find that fun and joyful and positive and purposeful and all those good things. So Okay. And looking to the future and being aspirational, if you could change one thing, in the next sort of five years or something, what would you change? Um, stop global warming or create self-awareness for everything? Actually, the latter would take care of the former problem. Yeah, <laughs> I'll say. Yeah, actually, I agree with that. I think I love that idea that macro transformation comes about through individual transformation. Like we can't organize better. Actually, no, we have to become better. That's a really good point. Yeah. It, it's a transformation of consciousness ultimately. And, we, and I, that, that doesn't sound fluffy to me, but maybe it sounds fluffy, but it's about the individual transformation of consciousness so that the greater transformation of the planet can take place. Okay, so that brings us to our favourite part of the show, the business versus bullshit quickfire round. D, cue the music. This is where we reel off a list of terms and all you two have to do is tell us whether you think they're business or bullshit. So, Sam and Renee, are you ready? Ready. Yeah, ready. Okay. Stand-up meetings? No, bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, think I like it. Go, go, go for a walk. Have your meeting whilst walking. Yeah. Slogans in the workplace? Ugh. It depends. It depends which slogan. With a picture of a puppy? Bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pub lunches? Bullshit. Well, I mean, it depends who you're with. But if you're saying pub booze, mm. I think bo drinking at lunch is ridiculous. Bullshit. Oh, yeah. God, well, it's certainly my afternoon's bullshit. Afternoon. <laughs> that is so much so true. <laughs> Not, um, formal work clothes. Bullshit. Bullshit. 
board minutes. Yes. I'm just going to call Business. bullshit. <laughs> yeah. I've needed those in the past. You're gonna, I don't, I don't like, want to do This them. is my job, man. Yeah. Swearing in meetings. It's bullshit. Yeah, I'm going to say bullshit. I don't think it's necessary. Keep it professional. Exercising. Business. Business. NDAs. Yeah, bullshit. Uh, bullshit. Acronyms. BS. Total bullshit. <laughs> I hate them. Um, coffee. Oh, business. Really? <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it sucks. It's bullshit. Drink matcha. Sam? Yeah, yeah bullshit for coffee. Okay, final one. Office dogs. Bullshit. <laughs> Poor Gumbo. Gumbo is, is My dog? your dog, your beloved dog. I just think if love. people don't like dogs and you have dogs, it's a freaking nightmare. Yeah, I love Gumbo, but I would not take him into the office. I would definitely and not. And subject other people to that singing, smelling, whining, everything. Yeah, done. Renee, if I had to eat one food that's going to cure me of everything, what is the one power food that I should eat? Well, I was going to say, if you didn't say that, if you said one food, I would say water. Ah, okay. Good answer. Not the one I wanted. I wanted what did some, you want to hear? What did I you wanted want to hear? some, you know, Sometimes. unknown Andean <laughs> berry. You know, berry that, that I should okay, buy. That, here's what you should do. Yeah. Stop. So make the salt that you eat proper, non-iodized salt, proper gray, damp sea salt. And because when the government says eat less salt, which is stupid, is because people eat too much salt that is in processed foods, junk foods, crappy foods. And you could eat all the good salt that you want because we are salt water. Okay. You so the, the, you know, the Cornish salt, sea salt that you see, something like that. Damp salt. It's, it's like French, I can't remember the brown, but it's, it's salt should hold moisture. Okay. And be gray. It shouldn't be white. Okay. There's a weird one for you. Yeah, that's a good one. Not one that I was expecting. Oh. Renee Elliott and Sam Wigan, thanks very much. It's been a real pleasure talking to you both um, and getting to know you. If our listeners want to find out more about what you do, more about Beluga Bean and the services you offer, how, how should they go about doing that? Belugabean.com and uh, email us, family at belugabean.com. Great stuff. Well, there you have it, ladies and gents. That was this week's episode of Business Without Bullshit. Thank you very much to everyone involved in today's podcast. That was Renee Elliott and Sam Wigan, our two guests. And of course, my co-host for the first time, Philippa Sturt. And we'll be back with another episode in a fortnight. In, a, in the meantime, please rate and review us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And remember to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Biz Without BS, B-I-Z Without BS, where you will find more helpful business content. Until next time, it is cheerio. Business Without Bullshit is brought to you by Ori Clark. We've been helping individuals and businesses cut through red tape in order to prosper since 1935. To find out how our team of multidisciplinary experts can help you, whatever your needs, email us at contact at auriclark.com. That is contact at O-U-R-Y-C-L-A-R-K dot com.
or via our website. Ori Clark, you provide the questions, we'll give you an answer.